Our, our sermon series that we're doing right now is this year we're going into what we're calling the realistic Christian experience. So this year we're going on a journey where we're going through those areas of our Christian life, those um, places that we should expect to experience as a Christian. And we're going to talk through what it is to have that type of experience in real life. Each month we'll be learning about what the Bible teaches on different topics and about our Christian faith and how to live it out. So in January, we're starting out with prayer. And today we're digging into the Lord's Prayer. Now in the Gospels, in the New Testament, we have a couple different areas where uh, the verses are shared about the Lord's Prayer. In the New Testament, we have Matthew and Dr. Luke, who both wrote about it in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11. Now, while Luke's version is a little bit shorter, it's pretty much identical to what Matthew has. And Matthew um, includes some more details about it. And as we think about Jesus sharing about the Lord's Prayer, it's mostly likely that he talked about it more than once. So in, in the typical fashion, we hear about the Lord's Prayer being shared in the Sermon on the Mount. But we can figure that as Jesus taught in different areas, he repeated some of the same message because this is an important prayer, one that he would want his disciples to learn about and those who are following him. And so even though we have two different accounts, they're both pretty much similar in that. And let's go ahead and just start out in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Let's pray this morning ourselves. Father God, we just take this time, and just like the disciples asked Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago to teach us to pray, Father, I pray that you help us, teach us to pray here this morning. I pray for the words that I'm going to share. I pray that they would be inspired by the Holy Spirit. May I speak the words of truth, and may I rightly um, share that with the congregation here this morning, Father. So Lord, we pray over this service, this message, and this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm not sure how many uh, fans there are of the Chosen series, but if you are, you're probably excited because the next season four will be in the movie theaters coming February 1st. So if you're the Chosen series person, you'll be excited about that. I know Nina, even though she's not here, she enjoys that and is probably going to go see it in the theater as well. But just to start out today, I wanted to share a clip from uh, the, the Chosen. So this is from season two. So we'll just play a few minutes of this clip here from The Chosen. Just talk? Winters wanted to talk, yes. The Romans don't find me much of a threat, which is fine. And hopefully that'll change soon. So, what were you doing out here? Praying, John. Remember, there's a big event to prepare for. 
Rabbi, with all due respect, you couldn't have told us that you were back first? You were grabbed by Roman soldiers with weapons. We were all worried sick. Did I not tell you that I would be back? To keep planning? We're all going to have to learn how to do this, regardless of what's happening, good or bad. Things are only going to get more difficult. You can't just shut down when you're fearful. And what are you going to do when I'm no longer here? Yes, we are still figuring this out. Yes, but we can do better. We, we will do better. Rabbi, Philip said the baptizer gave his followers a prayer in addition to the daily traditional prayers. Perhaps you could do the same. Yes, I'd like to learn more about what you're saying when you're out alone. Now, now you're behaving like true students. This is what I like to see. And prayer is the first step in getting the mind and the heart right. It's why you see me go to it so often. To teach us to pray like you do. Please. When we pray, we want to be sure to first start with acknowledging our Father in heaven and his greatness. So you can say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we always want to be sure to do God's will and not our own. So we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. what it was like for Jesus and the disciples. And so while there were a couple storylines kind of going on here, we see Jesus coming out from a time of prayer. His disciples were worried about him because of the storyline. He, he was involved with some other things going on, but he was in a time of prayer and comes out. And the disciples are interested in what he was doing. What I liked about this, what illustrates so well, I think, is Jesus was excited that they were finally at the point where they're ready to move forward as students. You know, and he said, I'm glad that you are students asking this question. And I, I don't know for sure what that, that was like for them, but in this case, it would like to think that it was something to help move them forward because Jesus was ready to arm them with something that was very important, and they were asking about that. Now, just to give context to, to the situation, too, um, the disciples had prayed. They knew about prayer. They had daily prayers as Jewish followers. They um, would go into the synagogue and they would pray. Uh, when they would travel to Jesus, they would go into the synagogue and their local church, their local congregation and pray. So prayer wasn't foreign to them, but they wanted to know and tap into what Jesus had for them. And so, like I said, I, I really appreciate the fact that Jesus was excited for them as students. And it kind of reminded me of like what happens in every great movie. When there's a master and then there's a student, there's always an, a point in that movie where there's a pivotal point for that student. And so what comes to mind is, of course, one of the best 80s movie, The Karate Kid. Now, I'm doing my job as a good host parent to share with our exchange student the classics of American theater. And of course, The Karate Kid falls in that category, and we had to watch it before it fell off of Netflix. 
Um, so as we're watching that, you know, you have that, that quest of Daniel who is trying to learn karate to defend um, the situation which he's in. And there's a point where he's confused. He's, he's confused by what Mr. Miyagi's teaching him. He doesn't understand it. He thinks he's just doing work, but really he's learning something. And there is that pivotal point where it happens in every classic movie where they finally get to the point where they realize, hey, we can move forward with this. I'm now able to put my trust and my heart into what I'm being taught and move forward in learning that skill. And so in this case, I think prayer, and I hope for the disciples, maybe this was what happened to them, was the place where they were like, we are going to get into it deeper. And so Jesus was excited for them. And so I think Jesus was glad for that. He longed for that. And now he's able to move forward with them. And he's going to share with them something very powerful as we have the Lord's Prayer. Now, the rest of the passage that we'll be looking at today is from the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be reading from Matthew um, in that. So let's go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. And we'll read the first verses here from Matthew as it relates to the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, Jesus said, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. And we'll just pause right there. So before we even get to the lesson part of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is prefacing it already. He's setting them up to understand that when we go to pray, we don't do this for show. We don't do this to say many words to grab God's attention. But it's something we do where we humbly submit ourselves in the quietness and that intimacy with the Lord. And so Jesus is reminding them, don't be like all the other ones. It's not to draw attention to yourself. Now, this isn't to say that public prayer is wrong or you can't do that in worship. This this is just illustrating some things that Jesus was warning them about. As you pray, make sure you submit yourself and do it in a humble um, presentation. Let's go ahead and move on to verse 9. And we'll read the rest of the passage there where it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So there's the passage in completeness. Now, I wish I could be a great sermon orator who would give you some wonderful insight. But if you've ever had uh, been a part or listened to a sermon with the Lord's Prayer, what I'm going to do is probably what you typically hear, which is we break down this model prayer. And so today we're going to break down a model. And so we will just talk about the verses as we go down here in each section. Now, Jesus, again, was giving the disciples, giving us a model to follow after. And and I think even more than that, I mean, the disciples said, Lord, we want to do what you're doing. They saw him go out quite often to pray. 
They saw him go out by himself, and they wanted to know what it was that he was doing. And so I don't think this is just a model, but I think this is the Lord's Prayer. I think this is the prayer that Jesus used to follow as well. It was very common back then for a rabbi to create their own prayer to give to those who were their students. And so, like they said, John the Baptist shared one with his students. And so they wanted something again. But again, this is much more than just a rabbi. This is God himself sharing the, the words that he offers in that. So as we look at it, remember, this is the gift that Jesus is giving to us. Well, it starts out with our Father. In all the scriptures, when we hear Jesus refer to God, he refers to him as our Father. Now, there's something very intimate about the words, our Father. It reveals a closeness, a special relationship that we have with our Father. So from a child to a father relationship, there's a closeness to that. And this relationship gives us access to God the Father. I'm reminded about an old Civil War story, maybe you've heard before, where there was a soldier during the Civil War who had some grievances, some issues to bring up to President Abraham Lincoln. And so he went to the White House, but every time he would go to the White House, he was denied entrance into accessing uh, Abraham Lincoln. He was too busy. He was turned away. After a couple days of trying, he was disheartened, and he was sitting outside the White House in the area just outside, and a boy comes up to him and sees that he's sad and says, what's going on? What, what's the matter? And so this soldier tells him the story, the issue he was having. And um, it took the heart of this kid. And he said, I can help you with that. Come with me. And so he follows this little boy through the White House, up into the Oval Office, past the guards, past the soldiers. No one's stopping him. He's amazed. What is going on that this boy is getting me in access into the Oval Office. And as they go in, President Lincoln is there busy talking about plans and other issues. And he looks at him and he says, hello, Tad, who's your friend? And so from that point, Tad Lincoln was able to share with him and brought this to him. And Tad Lincoln is the youngest child of Abraham Lincoln. And so when you have that special relationship, you have access to someone, to an intimate person that you would not have access otherwise. And that's the way it is for us. Jesus introduced the prayer and says, you come to our Father. And so we can come to the Lord in confidence, knowing that we have that special relationship that gives us access to him. Our Father in heaven. Well, these words recognizes the place in which God is versus the place where we are. So it recognizes that we are on two different planes. Like God is up there. Our Heavenly Father is up there with an eternal perspective. And yet we are down here in a different plane in a finite world with a finite perspective. So it acknowledges the fact and elevates where God our Father is versus where we are. And that we are looking at things at two different perspectives. It goes on to say, hallowed be your name. Well, the word hallowed really means to uh, be regarded as holy or set apart. So in this prayer time, we are calling on our Heavenly Father, that intimate access to the Lord, 
But we also have to have that respect. We are acknowledging that we are giving praise to God, who is the true God. There's no equal. We are saying, hallowed be your name. There is no equal. There is no one else worthy of praise other than you. And that relationship gives us access to God, but we must always show respect for that one true eternal God creator. So Jesus sets us up there in this part of the prayer to offer praise and worship. So when we think about the Lord's Prayer, the first part reminds us that we need to offer praise and worship to God, our Heavenly Father. Well, the the prayer goes on, your kingdom come. So now, when Jesus talks about this, he's talking about that spiritual kingdom, right? The one that that exists um, all around us, the one that we are a part of. It's spiritual. It's not just a, a point in time of like maybe Israel. And so there could be confusion to those who heard this at that time. They were looking for a savior a triumphant general to come in and and fight the Romans and free them from Rome. But that is not the perspective that Jesus is talking about here. So when we say your kingdom come, we are acknowledging that we are a part of that kingdom. We share in the task and the interest of that kingdom. And in that, we are really sharing and being part of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. So when we say your kingdom come, we are recognizing that. Then we go on to say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we say your will be done, we, of course, are resigning our own will, our desires to be matched with God. This puts his agenda above our own. And ultimately, as a Christian, this is a mark of someone who has surrendered their life to Christ. When we say not our will, but your will be done, then we are demonstrating that we have surrendered our life to the Lord. God's perfect purpose is to be accomplished on earth. So it reminds us that your will be done on earth as in heaven. We are asking God to do this. And so we are praying then for God's will to be done. So the second part of this this model prayer that we have is we're asking for God's will to be done. It goes on to say, give us today our daily bread. Well, first, that statement alone says it's daily. So it reminds us that we should be in prayer every day. This is something that we should be doing routinely every day, that we are calling on God. So for the disciples, when they heard this, it's quite literally they had to prepare their meals every day. They didn't have the luxury of having um, things frozen for them that they could just throw in the oven. But they had to literally rely on having food and having resources available every day uh, for their own survival. But more than this, this also acknowledges that God is the provider of our needs. Not only, of course, do we have those physical needs, but we have the spiritual needs as well. And we need to get that daily. Of course, we are created of body and soul, and we need both our soul and body to be nourished and have substance to sustain it. In this part of the prayer, we think about your needs. And it goes on, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we're reminded that we need to confess. We need to confess our sins and our offenses to God. Now, growing up, I would only hear the Lord's Prayer spoken out loud at Catholic Church. 
And of course, in Catholic Church, they didn't say, you know, if, um, forgive us our debts. They would say, forgive us our trespasses. And as a kid, I didn't fully understand that. I'm like, what, what do I do? I just randomly walk, jaywalk off a sidewalk into someone's yard, and I trespass against them? I don't know. I could, I could, that's all I could picture was it was just somehow I stumbled off the sidewalk into their yard accidentally. Of course, you know, the word trespasses or the word debt, it comes down to relying that it really means an offense or sin. And so as we're praying, as we spend time with the Lord, we have to search our hearts for sin that's hidden there. And we need to present that to God and ask for forgiveness. But we can't just leave that unconfessed sin there. Otherwise, it erodes our relationship from God. It hinders, it blocks our intimacy with him. And so we, we have to confess that. And then, of course, there's other side of that, which is to forgive our debtors. And Jesus will go on and share a little bit more about that here in a minute. So at this part of the prayer, we think of it as confession and forgiveness. He continues, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Though God does allow us to be tempted and tested, he is never the one who is the tempter. We lead ourselves into situations we are tempted. So Jesus is showing us how to pray against this and to keep us from being our own worst enemy. This part of the prayer is very important because it recognizes that our flesh, the, the things that we lean towards in the world, that we're drawn away from the kingdom, away from spiritual things, that our flesh is weak against temptation. And I think when we're honest about that, we can recognize that. And though we can withstand and overcome through strength of God our Father, we really need to steer clear of temptation when we can. St. Augustine once said, God provides the wind and man must raise the sail. We got to take action. God is on the team with us. He is providing the wind, the direction for us to go, but we have to take action and pull that sail up so that we can drift in the direction away from sin and temptation. Here also it says to pray for protection and safety. We have a real enemy, and that's Satan. And so when we pray about that, we're recognizing that, you know, there is an enemy out there. We recognize the truth of that. We recognize that we can succumb to that, and we're asking for help, for safety and protection from the evil one, from temptation, from the one who wants to destroy our families, who wants to destroy our relationship with God. And so we are taking action in that prayer time to ask the Lord to help us. We are asking for the Lord to help us to avoid sin, to have protection and deliverance from the evil one. Now, many of us will hear the Lord's prayer, and it usually concludes as we speak it out loud, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We didn't hear that in the Bible verse that we read. Now, the words we have from there um, come from some transcripts. So as it is, where do we get the Bible from? Well, we have found ancient scriptures at different times that have the Bible written over and over, repeated over and over. And so scholars have formulated what the Bible came from based upon what they found. And while 99% of things are typically the same, there are sometimes cases where it's a little bit different. And so there were some transcripts found that had this last phrase as part of the Lord's Prayer. 
Now, the words in here don't go against the Bible. In fact, you could see the same idea in, in some of the prophetic books of the Old Testament. So if you're praying the Lord's Prayer, you memorize it, and you include this in here, I don't think you're wrong in saying that. But if you choose not to say it because the Bible verses we have in front of us don't have it, that's not wrong either. But it's just to say that there is part of it that we all know or grew up learning that um, isn't in the Bible as we're reading, but just know that there are some manuscripts that were found that did have it there. Now, Jesus concludes the uh, Lord's Prayer here by offering us a few more verses in 14 and 15. So in verses 14 through 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So here we have, again, Jesus sandwiched the Lord's Prayer in this, this sermon he had with a warning about doing things privately, humbly, and so forth. But he also finishes that, you know, if there is a warning here, if you are unable to forgive others, then the Heavenly Father will not be able to forgive you. Jesus gives us this warning and so it's not just like, hey, if this, then this. It's really a larger picture of if you're unable to forgive other people, then do you really recognize that you were forgiven sins, that you have great offenses? Are you, are you humbling yourself and submitting your life to the Lord in such a way that you recognize that I'm a sinner just like other people are? And so I think the picture is bigger in the sense that by not forgiving other people, refusing to take those steps to forgive, you are actually acknowledging that I'm not a sinner. And you're, you, so you're kind of going against that. N.T. Wright is another scholar that spoke, and he says this, he says, failure to forgive one another wasn't a matter of failing to live up to a new bit of moral teaching. It was cutting off the branch you were sitting on. And so again, the foundation is that we have a condition that as we recognize we are sinners, we are able to forgive others just as the Lord has forgiven us and recognize that we are sinners. Now, one thing we know about Jesus was while he was on earth, he was very intentional about his time. There was nothing he did without purpose. There was nothing he did without meaning. And so I think this is why he was talk, took the time to teach the disciples and that we have these words so that we can be taught to live just like he did. Jesus modeled this fashion of prayer. Jesus showed and demonstrated the importance of prayer life in our own lives. And so Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer to help us have the importance to understand the motivation and perspective of what prayer offers us. He also gave us the Lord's Prayer to reiterate the importance of having a prayer life. So in his sermon, he didn't say, he said, when you pray, not if you pray. Having a prayer life then is not negotiable. For a Christian, prayer is key and foundational to everything else that we experience. Jesus taught us that this is a way to empower us on our Christian journey. Prayer is how Christians talk to God, hear from God, how we can spend time in God's presence. And Jesus modeled that, and as such, we are able to do that as well. No doubt for Jesus, prayer was a vital part of his walk with the Heavenly Father. And so he wants the same for us.
I guess I would just say that prayer is just simply talking to our Heavenly Father. Our God who loves you, our God wants us to come to him. He knows our needs already before we start, but we do need to start that conversation with the Lord. So if I just may review those things that the Lord's Prayer taught us as a model. In the Lord's Prayer, it reminded us to have praise and worship, that part of our time is to spend recognizing who God is, worshiping him and calling out him as good. We're to pray and ask for his will to be done, submitting ourselves, submitting our agenda, putting it to the side and allowing his to take precedence. And then we can pray for our own needs, recognizing that there are spiritual needs, physical needs we have that we can pray for and ask God to help with, and the needs for others as well. He reminds us to offer time of confession, that we need to share and confess our sin to him, and that we need help with offering forgiveness, that that is pivotal in this whole thing, that we need to forgive others, and we need help with that. And then lastly in this prayer, he reminds us to pray to avoid sin for protection for ourselves and our family and for deliverance from the one who's seeking out to destroy. In our prayer time, we can bring anything to God. We just have to start praying. We just have to start sharing what's on our mind and in our heart. And I guess I would say and kind of end in this idea that the Lord's Prayer is a powerful prayer that comes from the very mouth of Jesus. So when you're getting it directly from the source, you know it's good stuff. And it provides a connection between our hearts and the heart of God. Here we are as we take this prayer and use it as our own, that we are connecting our God to the heart. We're connecting our heart to the heart of God. It has been used and taught Christians since the very beginning as Jesus taught his disciples. And for over 2,000 years, it's been shared and used as a model for generations throughout so many lives and through generations of believers. And so it's one that we can share and utilize as well, too. So I hope today, as we broke down the Lord's Prayer, you see the pattern of which God has given us a model to pray after and that it is something after his own heart that we can use to connect with him. Let's go ahead and finish here in prayer. Father God, we thank you. Lord Jesus, that you gave us your prayer to be shared and to be learned and to be studied and to be offered as a model of how we can approach God, our Heavenly Father. Lord, it's hard sometimes for us to get into this pattern of prayer, to get into this cadence of praying every day. But Lord, but once we do, I think we learn that we, we can't go without it. And even though it may be a challenge to get started, and even though we may be out of the pattern or habit right now, Lord, we can step right back in it. And it just starts with calming ourselves down, stopping what we're doing, and focusing on you, Lord. I pray that each person here would continue to grow in their own faith by their own prayer life. And this is a non-negotiable God we know. We have to have this connection with you. We need to be connected to you to be able to grow in our relationship. And so, Father, I pray that we've learned today all these parts of the prayer you've given us is just a means to help us to grow closer to you. Lord, I pray for each one here, for those who are watching online, 
And God, I pray that you would give us strength, encouragement, and lead us onto this path, Lord, in our communication, our walk with you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. You may go out with peace. Have a good day.